what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. For organizations looking to enhance their customer relationships, this is Stepping Up Service. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stepping Up Service for this month. I'm Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group, and with me is Ed Gagnon of Customer Service Solutions. How are you doing, Ed? I'm doing great, Alan. How are you doing today? Doing fine, doing fine. We are recording this about three days before the Super Bowl. Who are uh, Super Bowl 2012? Who are you pulling for, Ed? Well, let's see. It's the Giants and the Patriots. Yes. Uh, I'm pulling for the Packers. Oh, so, good. Uh, <laughs> well, you go. that, Something tells me you're not going to come out victorious yes, after Sunday night. Yes, I'm already disappointed. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't know. I uh, you know we'll, we'll just see what happens. I have a lot of relatives up in New England. Ooh, okay. Um, but I, I, I like, uh, on a personal level, I like what the Giants coach is all about. So sure. it'll probably be one of those games where I just watch and see who I find myself rooting for during yeah, the game. Yeah, so. probably going to be that way, although... Uh, Lenoraine University, the local university here in our hometown, has a couple of, I think a couple of the assistant coaches on the Giants staff really? are former LR, either coaches or alumni. So a little bit of a connection there. I'll probably end up pulling for the Giants just because of those uh, those connections. But hopefully it'll at least be a good game. That does lead us into, well, we, while we're in this football mentality and we've got football all over the news and media, it's a good time to think about uh, what can we learn from the game of football and the idea of football teams and their culture that maybe we can borrow and, and, and port over to the entire customer service culture arena. So I know, Ed, you've got some thoughts on this and things that we you feel like we can learn from football and uh, taking a football approach to how we change our culture when it comes to customer service. So what what made you think of this as an idea? I mean, where, where, where do you see similarities between what a football team is trying to accomplish, a coach? And what organizations are trying to do with their own culture? Well, football, I, I love the sport. I love professional football in particular. I love college football. And, and when you think about football, they often call it the ultimate team sport. And it really is. I mean, you have 11 people on your offense against their 11 on defense. And there's schemes going on. And everybody knows their role. And they have to make changes on the fly. And certain things happen that are out of your control. And, and you're still trying to progress down the field. And, and, it, and it's a game where you have a coach. And the coach is trying to kind of choreograph what's going on, but it's really up to the players to play the game. It's really up to the players to execute. It's really up to the players whether you win or you lose in the vast majority of the game. So uh, the reason why football ties in so well to discussions about corporate culture is because there's so much teamwork involved. There's so much leadership involved. There's so much planning involved and execution involved that that really ties into what a typical business has to deal with. I mean, a lot of times I've always looked at, you know, teams, professional sports teams. I mean, it, it, obviously it's a business, and even the team themselves can be almost viewed as a business team unit organization. They have their roles. They have their directions. They have certain boundaries they work within. They have to be creative. They've got to think on their feet. It's all that. So I guess there are some good similarities we can try to learn and borrow from on that. Sure. We're going to tap into some of those today. I know uh, I know. in the game of football, there's a lot of fours with four downs and four quarters. Uh, we've got five. I know it's not really a good. It's not really a good football number of five items we want to hit on right now. So we'll we'll just kind of uh, wing it as we go. But we we can't fit them into the four. There's just too many good ones to to put in. So we've got five items here to go for. So Ed, why don't you start us off with the first one? Tell us what's one of the first things we can pull from a uh, football football team into our culture. Well, when you're thinking about culture, you're thinking about getting everybody on the same page, going in the same direction. You have to define what that direction is. So the the first. 
uh, example that we'll give of tying football to culture is to target the Super Bowl. And what we mean by mm-hmm. that is if you think about uh, a typical pro football team, and I'll talk a lot about pro football just because the Super Bowl sure. uh, is right around the time of this recording. When you think about pro football, their goal at the start of the season, before they ever play a game, before they ever have their first practice – uh, is to eventually make it to the Super Bowl. Sure. And, and that's what the ultimate goal is. And so when they talk about changes they need to make in personnel or in scheme and, and who's going to uh, play what role on the organization, when, when they go through their practice and, and they try to try to run these plays and figure out what's going to work and what's not going to work, it's all geared toward the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. And right. it's, it should be the same way with a business. Mm-hmm. That what you're doing, you're not just doing it for the sake of doing it. You know, when you're making a change to a process or you're changing some technology or you're training staff or hiring staff, you don't just do it for the sake of doing it. You do it because as an organization, you're trying to get somewhere. Right. You, know, you have a goal in mind. You have some vision that you're trying to achieve. So the first thing you want to do as a business, if you really want to create a culture where everybody's on the same page, going in the same direction, you know, you're very healthy culture, very high-performing culture, it's a lot easier to do that if you define that direction, you know, what you're mm-hmm. performing toward, and that is creating an organizational vision. Well, you think about all the interviews that you hear with football team members and coaches throughout a season, and you never hear them saying, well, we, we just want to get a decent win-loss record at the end of the season. That's our goal right now. You never hear that. Right. It's always, we want the Super Bowl. Right. Uh, if you're a college basketball team, it's always, we want to be cutting down the nets at, at the national championship. Nothing else will suffice. And it's interesting. I mean, it may sound obvious for businesses, but there are a lot of businesses out there that sometimes lose sight of that big, that big end goal. And it's all about what do we just need to do to get through today or tomorrow or this next week. And you're right. That's not going to get you where you need to be from not only a business success, but especially in the customer service world too. Right, and that, that's a that's a great example that you came up with where you're you're trying to identify where you want to be long term. In some sense, you want to make it aspirational. You know, the like you said, the pro football team wants to get to the Super Bowl. They don't want to just have a decent season. Right, and it's the same way when you're creating a vision statement for a business. Uh, for, if you look at Southwest Airlines, for example, their vision is to expand our locations, both domestic and overseas, by being the largest and most profitable airline company to achieve both short and long-term carriers efficiently with low cost. That's a lot of words, but but there are some key qualifiers mm-hmm. in there. You have expand, you have largest and most profitable, you have low cost. They want to have the most productive wor- workforce to guarantee the best flight possible. So when you look at a business like Southwest Airlines, they're not just saying we want to be an airline. You know, that, that's almost like a very bland mission mm-hmm. statement. They're trying to come up with something aspirational. Sure. And if you're an employee and, and you're about to get hired by Southwest, it's a situation where if Southwest talks about their vision during the hiring process. You as a prospective employer are thinking, wow, this organization wants to be the best. Mm-hmm. They want to make me productive. They want to expand and grow. So to some extent, you're really inspiring your, your prospective employees, your current employees, your organization, if you have an aspirational type of vision. Well, and there's two things, especially with that, even that example with Southwest Airlines. Everything that's mentioned in there is something measurable. Yes. Are we the largest? Yes or no. Are we the most profitable? Yes or no. Did we expand? Yes or no. I mean, they all those things are measurable. It's not just we want to be a great airline because that becomes such a big open door and it's hard to define. 
it's being very specific, just like the Super Bowl. Okay, you can't mistake that as a goal. It's like we want to win the Super Bowl. Right. There's no way we can partially win the Super Bowl or get halfway there. It's it's either we get there or we don't. Right. And uh, I just I love that about those big goals, those big specific ones, because too many times we as, as organizations just try to put together this real fuzzy vision of where we want to be, and it's it's hard because every employee can interpret that differently. When you've got something specific and clear, there's no question about it. Right. I guarantee you anybody at Southwest Airlines that works there that at least understands and knows the vision, they know what the goal is. There's no question of, well, we're going to be a mid-range airline that's doing okay profitability. No, it's, well, this is where we want to be. So that's that's impressive. That's yeah. always good. Yeah, and that, that, those are excellent points. I mean, if, if you're an employee, you don't go to work at Southwest in theory saying, I want to be mediocre. Right. Yeah, this yep. is the day where I want to become average. Mm-hmm. You know, you, yep. You're going there because you want to be a part of this vision uh, of greatness that the organization is trying to achieve. And like you say, it needs to be measurable. You want to know when you've achieved your vision. Great. All right, let's go on to the second, our second football play of the uh, podcast here. What have you got for us? Well, this, this may sound basic, but you mm-hmm. want to score more than the other guys. Oh, yeah, that that's fairly radical, but yeah. I'm sure there's more to it. Than that. <laughs> there's a little bit more to it. I mean, it's just the, the idea that you don't just go from preseason to the Super Bowl. You have to play 16 regular season games. You have right. to win a certain number of those games in order to get to the playoffs. You have to win the playoff games to get to the Super Bowl. So you can't just jump – from beginning to end. You can't just jump from this is where I want to be as an organization to achieving my vision. There mm-hmm. are milestones, there are steps along the way. And organizations that particularly want to change the culture, they want to recognize when they're actually moving toward uh, the the vision that they have for an organization, mm-hmm. they identify what those milestones are. Okay. Uh, and, and in some organizations, we would refer to those milestones as being a rallying point. You know, it's something nearer term than the vision. The vision mm-hmm. might be out five or 10 years, but it's something you want to achieve in a year or two years. Okay. You know, for a, for a pro football team, uh, a milestone might be, uh, we want to get to the playoffs. Sure. You know, or uh, in, in some cases, uh, pro coaches will actually divide up their 16 game season into four quarters hmm. because hmm. it's a four month season before yeah. you even get to the playoffs. A lot of them say, well, this is, this is our first four game set. You know, and, and we want to – we have three games on the road. You know, we want to come out of here at least two and two, three and one. Okay. I mean, right. what can we do in these four games to kind of establish an identity? And then they go to the next four and the next four. They break it up into bite-sized sure. chunks. Okay, I see. And they can define if they're achieving the successes on these milestones along the way. I guess what I'm hearing is even though you've got that large, big goal, that big vision – there are a lot of individual steps, obviously, that have to help you get there. You can't just say, we're going to go win the Super Bowl and not have those short-term strategies and plans for getting there. Right. Yeah. So it's looking backwards in a way, working back from that big vision. How are we going to get there? Let's make sure we can chop this up into digestible pieces that we can rally around and focus on each step of the way. And as long as we're meeting those individual objectives – the idea is it is getting us closer and closer to that ultimate vision. Right. I mean, if you were to create a strategic plan that would be in tremendous detail and say everything you needed to do over the next 10 years to achieve the vision in 10 years, it would be daunting. Sure. And a lot of what you might define today that you're going to do in year four might change drastically because Mm -hmm. it's just a different world four years down the road. But if you know where the vision is that you want to get to and you can define, well, what do I want to do in this first year? What do Mm -hmm. I want to achieve 
by the end of this 12-month period, and you can identify what that is and, and make it something that you can actually achieve and work toward and knock those key points out so that you've achieved the first milestone, then, you, like you say, you've kind of narrowed the scope down, at least for this first year, a little bit. Mm-hmm. At the end of the year, you mm-hmm. feel like you've hit the milestone and you're, you've begun the process of moving toward the ultimate vision. Okay, great. All right. That makes sense to me. That sounds good. What have we got as a uh, as a third uh, third option here? Yeah, well, th- this one is uh, maybe sounding overly simplified, but know who to block. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you you have this plan, and this is where we want to be uh, over the next five ten years, and this is what we want to do over the next year. But but remember when we talked early on about the pro football teams, uh, the the coach might end up identifying the game and the strategy and the the schemes on offense and defense, but the players have to execute. Okay. So in order to actually create the kind of culture you want, in order to really move toward the vision that you're looking for, it has to be abundantly clear with employees what their role is. Hmm. I mean, th- think about it. You could have the greatest quarterback in the world. You have Joe Montana, Johnny Unitas, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers have thrown my obligatory Packer. Oh, yeah. I, I noticed that one yes. in there, yes. Bart Starr, Brett Favre, anyway. Uh, well, maybe not Brett Favre. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll have to think on that one. But, but basically, you could have the best quarterback in the world, the best receivers in the world. you got Lance Allworth and Jerry Rice out there, the best tight ends. Uh, and, and it's a pass play. Yeah. And uh, the, the right guard knows who they're supposed to block. The left guard doesn't. So the left guard kind of blocks the wrong guy, mm-hmm. helps out the tackle. And then this defensive lineman or linebacker just shoots the gap just and just knocks out the quarterback. Yep. Yep. You have the most skilled people in the world, but because one person didn't know his job, the uh, play fails. Okay. So especially when you're thinking about organizations uh, from a business perspective, People need to understand what their individual role is and how it relates to others in the organization. Oftentimes, uh, you have organizations that basically are, are set up in silos. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I'm in marketing, and, and I do uh, the best I can do to, to market our organization. But I don't realize that maybe I am uh, promising certain things through my marketing messages that my operations can't deliver. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm in sales and I'm trying to sell this new account and I sell the new account, but I don't realize the kind of information that my customer, uh, service folks, my account reps need to manage the account after they get the account. So I'm not gathering the kind of information Hmm. that they need. And all of a sudden you start to realize if people don't know their roles and how, what they do impacts others in the organization, then, then things can start breaking down. The culture doesn't work very well. Hmm. It's not a high-performing organization. You have a bunch of silos who maybe individually are doing okay, but organizationally we're not doing well. So to right. create the kind of culture you want, you need to have leaders who are very clear in articulating what everybody's role is and how they all relate to each other. Well, I think even to extend the football metaphor a little bit more, I mean, on a football field, you've got your assistant coaches. You've got your people over the offense. You've got your people over the defense, special teams. They all have their teams that they may be working in, and you could almost see it as a silo. But if they're not looking and working with those other teams collectively, you've got individual sub-teams all working you know, on their own path, and there's, it's just not going to get them to their end result. Right. So, uh, so the idea is here really knowing what everybody's role is, making sure they know exactly what they're set up to do. I could also imagine, too, there may be a little bit of uh, – Sometimes when you find a skill set in somebody in your team, making sure you're applying that skill set to where it's going to best benefit the organization, make sure you've got good people in the right places too. So it's not a matter of somebody's here and they're filling this role, but they're really not the best performer for that role. 
but they're there just because that's where they've been for a while. So mm-hmm. maybe it's sometimes looking at your looking at your roster and figuring out where there may be best use of those resources and putting them in those right plays as well. Right. And it's a lot easier for members of the organization to see where those gaps exist or the specialized skills exist if the silos don't exist. You know, if they're right. if they're communicating well, if, if mm-hmm. everybody knows their role and how it impacts others and what a, others' role are. So when, when you're thinking about an organization, you, you really want to make sure that everybody knows what their role is, uh, what they're there to do. And if they don't have the skills they need, there there are processes, there's training, there's technology in place to help build up the skill set help build up the, the capabilities of the individuals to succeed in the organization. Okay, got it. Well, Ted, we're going to take a really quick break before we go on to number four and five here on our list. Uh, just a reminder, you're listening to Stepping Up Service here on The Mesh Network. Uh, themesh.tv is the website if you want to see other shows and things we have going on here at the network. Ed, uh, think of a four-digit sequence, any four numbers you want. Doesn't I'll matter. Go ahead and give it to you. Yep, give them to me right now. 3829. Three eight two nine. Okay, well that is our code. It'll be the word football with the three digit the four digit code three eight two nine. Football three eight two nine is the code for this episode if you're playing along at home on our contest to win an iPad after this quarter's worth of episodes. So uh, good luck with that. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to the mesh an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. Hi, this is Alan with the quick announcement about something really exciting going on here at The Mesh over the next couple of months. The Mesh is celebrating its first six months of operation by giving one of its listeners an iPad 2. And the more you listen to The Mesh, the more chances you have to win. Here's what you do. Listen to any episode for any of the shows that we have on our Mesh network that we post between January 1st, 2012 and March 31st, 2012. At some point during those episodes, and that includes the one you're listening to, you will be given a code for the contest. Write the code down. Visit the Mesh's website at themesh.tv and you'll be given instructions on where to enter your code and an email address. You can enter one code per episode with your email address. So if we post 100 episodes between January and March of this year and you listen to all 100 of them and get 100 codes, that means you'll have 100 entries into our contest, 100 chances to win that iPad. Uh, There will be other information on the Mesh's website about this contest, other rules, regulations, some other uh, legal jargon we got to put in there. That's all on the website at themesh.tv backslash contest. That's where you can enter your codes, and you can also read a little bit more about the contest itself. We really are excited about this contest. We're excited about giving one of our listeners a great prize. And we just want to thank everybody for an incredible first six months of the Mesh. We look forward to providing you with outstanding content for many, many more months to come. Thanks. I'm with Ed Gagnon, uh, Customer Service Solutions. Ed, your website, remind us before we continue here, is cssamerica.com? Correct. Okay. And uh, one thing I keep meaning to ask you about, I've never had a chance to ask you here during our show, but you actually wrote a book. 
not too long ago, right? Yep, sure. Okay, did. and what's the name of the book, and how can people find out more about that? It's called Ask Yourself, Am I Great at Customer Service? Okay. And the idea is that in all the work we've done, mystery shopping, training, consulting with different organizations, uh, we've identified the 25 characteristics of people who are truly great at customer service. Okay. We're just tired of hearing people say, well, our customer service is fine, you know, our mm-hmm. customer service is good, and yet we see so many examples where it's not. Right. So if you, as an individual employee, an individual account representative, or you're a manager, and you want to make sure all your people know, what, what does it truly mean to be great uh, at customer service? Uh, that That's what this book does. It tells great. you those key qualities. And, and we actually have a website for the book. It's okay. Am I Great at dot com am i great at so a m i g r e a t a t dot com correct okay yep, great. great so people can find out more about the book and order it if they're interested in that too sure so. yeah it's kindle it's smashwords it's amazon or order direct from us as well wonderful great Thanks. good all right well let's uh let's continue on with our our, our lineup our our five goals for uh taking a football approach to changing your customer service corporate culture there. So I think we're up to number four. What's number four there? Yeah, number four is huddle like a football team. You know, okay. we, we talked in the last example about knowing who to block, everybody understanding what their roles are. And one key to creating a culture which is very healthy internally is that everybody's talking to everybody. Yes. At least they're knowledgeable of what's going on in the other areas. And you can look at this huddle these communications from a couple different perspectives one is across those silos Mm -hmm. you know typically if if i work in a certain area of an organization uh, i have inputs from coworkers. you know if, if i am in that operations area the input is the order that's coming in from the sales folks. And I have outputs as well. I'm, I'm sending that product out, and it, it might go through customer service or the account rep to get to where it needs to be mm-hmm. uh, or the sales floor. You know, w- whatever the case might be, that there is some connection between what I'm doing and the information and services and supplies I'm getting and then the output from my area. So there need to be continuous communications going on horizontally between the different silos. Mm-hmm. But, but just like in pro football, there need to be vertical communications going up sure. and down. I mean, the, the organization needs to constantly preach at the executive level, at the management level. Remember, this is what our vision is. Mm-hmm. You know, all these things that you're doing on a day-to-day basis, when we change uh, our systems, we change our organizational structures, we change our processes, we're doing that because we want to achieve this vision. So the second aspect of communication is you need to make sure that leadership is continuously talking about the vision so that people aren't just doing the work for the sake of doing it. They understand that there's this greater goal out there and we're all working as a team to get there. Mm-hmm. And the third way to think about communication is also vertical, but it's kind of the bottom up, you mm-hmm. know, making sure there's a continuous dialogue where staff are giving you the kind yes. of information as a leader Absolutely. that you need to make decisions. Well, this whole thing with communication, I mean, gosh, we've, we've got several shows here on the network that talk about leadership and some talk about very specific uh, practices for caring for patients in the healthcare industry. Communication, just, I mean, this is the one I can probably key on the most because it's actually one, in all honesty, I, I'm having to even work on more here at my own company and other places. We're finding ourselves getting to a size right now where communication issues are our biggest trip up. I mean, it's not the production of work we do. It's not the expertise we share with clients. It's not any of that. It's how we internally share information and make sure we're not tripping on ourselves. Um, so I'm, I'm all for this idea. And we actually even incorporated the word huddle into something that we do every week where every Monday morning, first thing in the morning, it is a quick 15-minute huddle. There's just a, a big open area in our office where everybody's there. 
You, you come in and if that's where that universal sharing of information is. If somebody's got a project that they need to make sure several other people know what's happening with it, it is mentioned right there in that huddle. Uh, if there's an office-wide announcement, we want to make sure everybody hears, it's mentioned there. That's not to say we're not going to use email or anything in our intranet to share that information, but the huddle is at least a way that we can verbalize what it is on our minds and somebody has that quick dialogue if they have a question. I just think you've got to have all those forms of communication working and working to where everybody's getting the information they need. Yeah, that, that's wonderful that y'all are doing that. Mm-hmm. And when you think about um, communication, th- think about it strategically as well. I mean, we work uh, with clients on projects, and oftentimes we're not just doing the work and creating a project plan and the Gantt chart and executing that. But typically when we do a project with a client, we create a concurrent communications plan. So okay. just like it says in week one, week two, week three, we're going to do these things in the project. We also say in week one, week two, week three, we're going to do these types of communications about the project because mm-hmm. we want to make sure that the the stakeholders in the project aren't just learning about the outcomes that they're going to be impacted by uh, three months down the road when it's about to be implemented. We want to make sure there's continuous dialogue. So when you think about communicating in an organization, think about planning. Okay, what are the kind of messages we need to be sending? Well, it's the urgent issue. It's the FYIs that happen once a month about an HR change. It's the client-specific Information. It's some new technology project going on. I mean, you think about the different types of communications. You think about the methods that you have to communicate. It's the face-to-face one-on-one. It's the huddles. It's uh, the, the individual team meetings. It's, you know, all these emails that, that go out. Uh, and then you think about how can we structure methods of delivering information receiving and soliciting information back from employees about their needs or about what they're hearing from the voice of the customer, mm-hmm. how do I create a proactive strategy for communicating different types of information via different methods uh, over time? Yeah. And when you take that kind of strategic look at communications, uh, you, you may have the perfect plan in your organization, or you might say, you know, I have certain gaps. Now, the, the reason why we're fighting so many fires and having to have all these certain meetings when issues crop up is that we're not communicating with certain stakeholders up mm-hmm. front, sure. and they're not well informed. And you start to fill in the gaps in the communication that can cause a lot of business problems. Okay. Yeah, I uh, kind of bringing it back to the football example, too. I mean, you know how many times they will show you clips of – in the locker room, either before or after a game, the coach talking to the team. We see this all the time. We yes. see what the coaches are saying. Uh, I guarantee you those coaches are not saying, well, just remember what we talked about three weeks ago, and you know, it's basically the same message now, or thinking to themselves, well, I don't really need to remind the guys what we're shooting for or where we're going. They remember from last week or two weeks ago. No, it's every week these coaches are responsible for keeping that vision in front of those those players reminding them of what they need to do that day or next week or whatever it may be it's a constant messaging i don't think any of those coaches take for granted that their their players remember every single word and have them on the front of their brain every single minute of the day it's constant reinforcement of those messages right and just one example just to go back to a packers example but last year when they won the super bowl um in the preseason they have a meeting room, and in that meeting room, they have uh, posters on the wall. They're not really posters. They're, they're framed photos, team photos of every team that ever won a world championship in Green Bay. And wow. at the start of last season, at the time they had won 12 uh, world championships, at the start of last season, the coach put up a, a frame mm-hmm. without a picture. Ah, uh, yes. And every time the players walked into that room, they saw that 
frame without the picture, and that was the message that that's what we're shooting for this that's year. Nice. We want our picture in that frame. Yeah, if you take for granted, if, you, if you're in a, running a company and you, let's say, we've come up with a vision, we've come up with a strategy, and you publish that somewhere on your little company internet or send it out as an email document months ago, you cannot expect or assume that everybody is going to pull that document up every day or every week and re- remind themselves and reread it. That's what I think a lot of companies do. They say, well, we, we put it out there. We shared it at our company retreat a year ago. You got to do more than that because right. I, I just, you know, employees have enough going on. We all have things happening and things taking our attention away. Sometimes employees, we all need to be reminded of that vision and getting that communication going with that. Yeah. And one nice thing about the reminder is a, a vision can be a great litmus test. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have these staff that feel like they're just drowning in the work and, and they, they kind of question, should I really be doing all this? At some point, they can just look at that vision and say, well, if what I'm doing does not help us to move toward that vision, I need to question whether I need to be doing this at all. Yeah. And it's a great litmus test to say, do I really need to be doing what I'm doing or refocus uh, where I'm spending my time? Yeah. Did you ever watch the uh, TV show Friday Night Lights? A little bit uh, here and there. Never saw a full episode, but a little okay. bit here and All there. Right. Just, uh, I'm, I'm smiling over at our recorder, uh, Mary Margaret, who is also a big fan of the show. I, I got hooked on the show uh, watching it on Netflix just in the last year. But uh, just one moment I remember Coach Eric Taylor, who I think just a great coach, you know, fictional character, but I'm sure patterned after many, many good coaches, sure. high school football coach. First practice of the year, he pulls the guys together in the locker room, takes out the whiteboard, and just writes the word state up on the whiteboard. State championship is like, that's their goal. And that stayed up there the entire season. It never got erased. It never got touched. Every practice, every session they held, that word's up there on that board. And that's that's it. That's all it took to get those guys refocused every single week on what they're they're shooting for. So good stuff. Keep their eye on the vision. There you go. Okay. So we've got one more, uh, our last, our last play for the game here. What's our fifth down? Fifth down. (laughs) So so must be some sort of strange, uh, foreign version of football, but yeah. So what's the, what's our fifth play here? Uh, It's to get first downs on the way to success or way to your scores. I mean, it's kind of the idea that I know a lot of times people think, well, uh, we're down 14, what we'll do is we'll we'll score that fourteen point touchdown. Yeah, you know, right. That that does yeah. not exist. No, right. You know, we'll just throw two Hail Marys and we'll be back we'll in be, the game. We'll be back right in the Piece game. Piece of yeah. cake. That's yeah. the way it works. And that's not really the way it works. There is a process to, to getting to the ultimate goal, to to scoring more points in the competition, to doing great in your first four games of the season, to making the playoffs, to getting to the Super Bowl, to win the Super Bowl. It starts with small successes. It starts mm-hmm. with making those first downs. And what organizations need to do as they make those first downs on the way to their scores is just celebrate. Yes. You know, yes, you, you, you did something great, great job. You know, yeah. throw a party, have some recognition, bring some employee into a management meeting just to thank them. You know, throw a little party, but continuously celebrate your successes. I mean, organizations that want to change behaviors, they can do a lot of different things to change behaviors. Uh, and for some staff, it's just telling them what to, what do you expect for others? It's having that accountability. You know, people don't want to get dinged on their evaluation, but for the vast majority of people, if you want to start changing behaviors, Mm -hmm. you want to start rewarding the kind of behaviors that you're looking for. You want to start rewarding success. And that's one thing. If you're trying to change a culture, you really need to build into the process is how can we make sure that when we see the kind of culture we want, we're getting the kind of outcomes we want, that we are celebrating those successes. Wow. I, uh, I remember going to a college football game 
back when I was in school and I had a family member come in and join me for the game, someone who wasn't really that versed in football, didn't know much about it. And you know, every time uh, Carolina Tar Heels, I'll go ahead and say I'm rooting from the home team there, every time they scored a first down, you know, the crowd went wild. Cheerleaders are doing the special play. It's a big booming voice over the loudspeaker. Yeah. And the person with me is like, okay, I don't, I don't get it. They just move the ball like a few extra yards. And it's like, well, no, it's like it's a milestone. It's like yes. you're building you're building for it, and you need to celebrate it. And the fact is, everybody in the crowd knows you get a first down, we're getting closer. Let's celebrate it. Let's have fun with it. Let's do a cheer, all of that. It's the same idea you're right. talking about. So uh, don't, don't ignore those little victories, those little steps on the way to your overall vision, because you're building on it. Yes. And uh, if you don't celebrate them, you run the risk of your team getting a little deflated, maybe getting a little burnout, uh, that we, we keep moving forward, forward, forward. But just because we're not at the big goal we're just getting over overwhelmed. We're getting overworked. You can celebrate in those little steps along the way and make everybody know that, Hey, we're getting there, you know, let's, let's enjoy this moment. And then we'll start focusing on the next one. So, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you think about a vision, a vision could take three, five, 10 years or longer to achieve. Yeah. That's a long wait to have a celebration. Even yeah. a rallying point could take a year or two years to achieve that major milestone on the way to the vision. That can be a long way to wait for people to be able to celebrate, but but if you can constantly reward and recognize and celebrate along the way, when when behaviors tr- truly do change, when milestones truly are reached, when when outcomes truly are achieved, then you're continuously motivating staff. You're continuously getting them to realize the kind of behaviors that get them praise, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you're really trying to carry in a very positive way the organization toward that vision. Absolutely, I love that idea of celebrating along the way. I think. Too many times we all get so wrapped up in just that big, big picture thing we're going after. And we got to remember to enjoy the, the steps that are getting us there, too. So. Definitely. Very nice. Okay, very cool. So five, uh, five things we can take from a football culture to apply into our own workplace for customer service. And just overall strategy and success of that organization as well. So very, very neat. Well, Ed, I know we normally like to cap off with a customer service example or story that we've had from recent. Do you have one? Yes, I do. Is it positive or negative? Positive. Oh, good. Good. I've got a negative one. Okay. So, okay, we good. got a nice, we got the nice yin and yang going on yes. there. So, we're not a, uh, is yours a football one? No. Okay, no. mine's not either. Yeah. I, I tried to think of a football example. Mm. I couldn't come up with yeah, one. Yeah, it's so. kind of hard to come up with great examples for customer service and football. Yeah, so, yeah, right. I kind of went the um, termite cockroach route. So, oh, okay, good. Yes. Well, I'll tell you what, let me do the negative one for so we can end on a positive note. Is okay. that okay with you? Yes. So, great. So, my negative one actually just happened yesterday. And, uh, uh, it involves being on the phone tech support, which I think a couple of our examples have been about on the phone customer service. Yes. But honestly, that's where if you have a problem in a process over the phone is going to highlight that problem probably better than any other method you could think of. Um, I'm doing some work for a client and we're trying to get them set up with their you know website communications and how they're going to be talking to the public and some other things they want to share. And they're trying to get some things set up where they can do some basically like e-commerce on their site. How can we get it to where uh, people can buy these things online? Sure. And I got put in touch with a company that you know, I'd never worked with before. I don't know anything about them. I didn't even know who they were. But I read all their information, tons of documentation about how their service works. Very confusing, meaning they have five or six different labels or names for services that to me all sound like they do the exact same thing. And it's just, it was extremely complex to try to figure out what exactly this firm does and how am I going to work with them. 
So I got to the point where I was just frustrated with the documentation. So I had to end up calling the phone number. And I was told by the sales rep, this is the tech support phone number. Call them and they can get you squared away. So I call and I did get picked up very quickly. I didn't have to be on hold. That was all really good. Got on the phone with the person and trying to explain in the simplest way I can what I'm trying to accomplish. This person just did not follow me in any way. Any way I describe this is almost like we were talking about two completely different things that we're trying to accomplish. Her message back to me was, we can't do that. That's not the way this works. But I'm able to hmm. read to her in the documentation. But it says right here, I do this and this happens. And it's where am I missing the disconnect here? And you know, she had to put me on hold and say she had to go talk to somebody else in her office to find out if she could figure out what I'm talking about. And it was just this idea that the process, this company just made it so complex to understand what they do and how to make things happen. I'm sure she was doing the best she could, and I'm sure she's probably a little confused about, you know, well, was it version three or was it version two or which product were you using? Or you're, that sounds like you're using this product instead of this one. It's confusing for her, too, I'm sure, as well. But the problem was I'm the customer. I'm the one that ultimately is having to make this work. And I came out of that phone call not knowing, is this even possible? What I don't even know what product that they have, what service I'm using. It was where they made it so complex with names and labels and systems that you just kind of want to step back and say, you know what? You guys are splintered way too much. You need to streamline some of these things because mm-hmm. it's confusing me as a customer. So that really wasn't more – it wasn't the attitude thing that we normally talk about with people. This is a true process system in explaining to the customer how things work. And getting somebody like me who I, I consider myself fairly tech savvy, I can follow these Definitely. things pretty well. And when I'm overwhelmed and not knowing what I'm even doing with it, that's that's not a good sign. Yeah, so. and that, that's interesting because we've talked about communication a lot today. And that's an example where it sounds like I'm making a little bit of an assumption here. But an organization can create something, especially since they know their business better than anybody, uh, that, that is clear as day to them. Mm-hmm. But if they were to give it to somebody who doesn't talk their language, doesn't yep. use their terminology, doesn't have the same technology that – that they use on a daily basis, uh, they can look at the same document and it's just clear as mud. Yes. So when you're, it's a great lesson learned for any kind of business. When you are providing a manual, when you are providing some kind of a guide, a how-to, when you're providing directions on your website or whatever the case might be, uh, sure, it might seem clear to you, but try to test it with people who don't know your yes, business. They're exactly. not as knowledgeable on your policies and procedures as you are, so they can kind of give you a reality check. You mm-hmm. know, from from the perspective of somebody who's not immersed in your company on a day to day basis, is this simple enough to understand? Exactly. Yeah. And even a, a even more pointed comment I would make to anybody is, don't throw more brand names, product names, service names into the mix just for the sake of having them out there because you think it looks impressive to have more service names than you really need. Yes. Sometimes going simpler is better. Right. Because there again, I, with this experience, I was told about four or five different products that all sounded exactly the same to me. <laughs> but yet because of that fragmentation, I had no idea where I'm supposed to be going with anything. So yeah. anyway, it was, it was, it was frustrating. It was a good 30, 40 minutes of my day. I didn't get back, yeah. unfortunately. So yeah. the marketing people of the world love the Xanadu 2000, yeah. but the customer loves when they realize it's just a light switch. Exactly. Exactly. Give me, lot give me something understand. simple. Help me understand when I go to your website, I want to be able to click on a simple link 
simple button to understand what it is I'm looking at. Don't make me try to decipher your lingo and your your codes and acronyms on my own. Yeah. yeah. All right. So help pick me back up here. Bring uh, me a good customer sure. service example. Well, well, let's call this segue from technology to termites. How Ooh, that I, sounds? I'm so, very excited now. Yeah. Uh, well, you won't be after the story. It wasn't that exciting a story. It's just kind of a quick customer service story. But, but it does involve termites. Yeah. That, that's kind of interesting. So. Well, well, every year uh, we have uh, our exterminating company come to our house just to kind of evaluate, look for termites, drill all over the house. I'm not sure exactly how they do what they do and check moisture levels in the crawl space, that sort of thing. Uh, And we had an appointment set up about a week and a half uh, prior to the actual appointment date. Uh, The employee was supposed to come between 8 and 8.30. Uh, and I, I typically, if I hear a window, even if it's that tight, you know, I, I'm fine when it's in the window, but once it starts getting a couple of minutes after the window, that's when I start getting nervous because you sure. have so many bad experiences with companies just totally missing the time frames. Well, uh, I get a phone call at 824, 825. He said, uh, we had some truck trouble, mechanical trouble, but I'm on my way. According to the GPS, I'll be there at 834. Okay. And this is a situation where he was only going to be four minutes late. Yes. But he called enough to, to cared enough Ooh, to call and yeah. reset my expectations. Okay, he shows up, and uh, I said, "Hey, you look familiar." And he said, uh, "Yes, Mr. Gagnon, I've been here a couple times during mm-hmm. your annual inspections. It's great to see you again." And and he said, "If you could just open up the garage, that would be great." And I know exactly; I remember exactly where the crawl space is. I'll go back there. Sure. And I thought that was great. And then he comes back and and uh, he gives me the report. It's a positive report, which was nice to hear. Mm-hmm. And we had a couple issues in the house, certain bugs in the house. I won't give you the gory details, yes, but I, I was <laughs> asking for his advice. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> and he he couldn't give me an exact answer on what what we were looking at, what kind of insects these were, because I couldn't give him enough detailed information. Mm-hmm. But what he did say was, well, you know, you have a couple options. You can either bring, if you catch these certain bugs and these these things, bring it to our office. We can look at it under the microscope. We can analyze it. You can take a photo. You can email it to us. We'll do some analysis that way. Right. And then we ended the conversation. It was great. But this is an example of what, what the gentleman basically did was he drilled some holes in my walls to check for termites he checked the moisture level he kind of looked around and if you think about that as a commodity you know who who cares who does that sure but his approach was he remembered me yes and he remembered my house Mm -hmm. and he could convey respect he could show some interest uh i didn't give him enough information to really uh, have him help me out at the end of the conversation, but he right. didn't say, "Well, you need to give me more than that." Yeah. You know, he didn't come back and blame the customer for him not being able to help. What he did was he offered some alternatives. So, okay. if you think about specifically what he did, you know, it's something that probably every exterminating company would do. But if sure. you think about how he did it, mm-hmm. how he personalized it, how he gave me alternative options when he couldn't give me the exact answer I was looking for at that time, it was a great. No, that's even if brief, great customer service that's experience. Wonderful. I'm just amazed by the whole calling a few minutes before the window sure. to say I'm, I'm going to be a few minutes late. I uh, that's amazing. You yes. don't see that much, um, and I can even remember back when I first got started uh, working out of college. Uh, I was I I would have a little problem with running late to meetings and running and if it was three four or five minutes late, I never thought twice about it at that point. I always thought, oh, it's fine. I'm just a few minutes late. And it finally hit me one day, okay, no, this is not good. I mean, I need to be the one calling them if I'm going to be even five minutes late. 
because five minutes in an organization can be can be a long time, yes. and uh, especially if it's somebody waiting for a response on an urgent issue, five minutes is a lifetime. So uh, I've become very diligent about if I know I'm not going to be there ahead of time, I go ahead and call. Whether yeah. I'm on the road, whether wherever I am, I I got a call, yeah. and uh, it's something I had to be guilted into after a while, but. Um, it is extremely important. Time is just so valuable for people. Nobody wants to feel like their time is being misused or wasted. Yeah. 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 That's great you do that. Good yeah. customer service, Thank Alan. You. Yeah, good. Yes. I, I got through my, my younger years and, and my few little missteps there, and I feel like I'm learning as I go with that. So great. that's good. Great. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for today's Stepping Up Service. Uh, Ed, thanks so much for coming in. I really appreciate that. I always enjoy our time talking together. Yeah, had a good uh, time. Yeah, we'll look forward to uh, prepping some topics for our next couple episodes as well. In the meantime, though, you can go back and listen to any of the episodes we've recorded uh, since the very beginning. They're all up on the website at themesh.tv. If you want to learn a little bit more about Ed and his company, Customer Service Solutions, you can visit them at cssamerica.com. Find out everything Ed's doing in the customer service world, from uh, consulting to some training to everything in between. Also, we mentioned the book, so check that out as well. Ask yourself, am I great at customer service at amigreatat.com. And, uh, and then I'm at the Jackson Group, which is thejacksongroup.com, conducting uh, employee customer satisfaction surveys and uh, leadership development in that area as well. So with that, we'll sign off. Uh, although I did forget, I always forget the mesh line. You know, I got to make sure I got a note, note out here to remind me about this. But we actually do have a phone number for if anybody has questions, comments about the show or would like to maybe suggest an idea for future shows, we'd love to hear from you. Call the Mesh line at 828-619-0048, and you can leave a message. Somebody will listen to the message, and we'll get it to the right place. And if it's about this show, we'd love to hear from you. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you think. So with that, now we can officially sign off. Ed, thanks so much. We'll look forward to talking to you next time. All right. Thank you, Alan. Take care. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.